Welcome to your podcast or mine, where the creative minds behind the mic are interviewed. Now, let's get things started. Here's your host, Sherry. And welcome to another episode of your podcast or mine. I'm Sherry, and today I'm speaking with Caden, the creative mind behind Happy Hour History. So uh, welcome to the show, Caden. Thanks for being on. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sherry. Okay, so um, let's get started with who you are and give a little bit of a description of Happy Hour History. Yeah, of course. So I am Caden, and I host uh, the podcast Happy Hour History, as mentioned. Um, It is a show that I do uh, where the premise is essentially it is the dumbest way to possibly live. Um, I find a friend who uh, will co-host an episode with me, um, and so it's a rotating kind of guest co-host who comes on, and we have a couple of drinks together, and then I basically have chosen a topic in history, uh, either a person or an event, that I think would interest them, Um, and it does tend to be that I'm speaking to people who are a little bit less interested in history. That's not always the case. Um, but people who maybe stopped um, learning history once they finished high school or once they kind of got their prerequisites out of the way in college or university, um, and at that point sort of shut it away for the rest of time and maybe think it's a bit of a dry subject. So I pick a topic that I think specifically suits their interests, and then uh, we kind of go through maybe a person's life or a specific event And because we're drinking, it's kind of informal and it's chatty. So we, you know, we make jokes and there's a lot of swearing, for instance. Um, But basically, we just try to make it a conversational and funny way to learn about something um, that hopefully then sparks interest in them to kind of realize that history is not um, something that only exists in textbooks and that they can actually really get involved with it in other kind of ways that can be a little bit more interesting, I suppose. Right. So it's it's not as boring as people think it is, quote unquote. So um I mean I would say as a history person it's never that boring. But definitely I, I would consider this podcast sort of like a gateway history kind of thing for people. So if you if you personally have only had really dry experiences with it, um this is sort of a way uh, to realize that there's a lot of, um, you know, really terrible and interesting and wonderful things that have happened in history and that they're just sort of uh, hidden under the surface of the textbooks that you've been trying to avoid reading. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. I, I've listened to a few of, of your shows, and the ones that I found um, particularly interesting um, were of um, Edward II and Is- Isabella. Uh, that one was like, oh my gosh, that was so funny. Um, <laughs> you know, particularly your guest was was humorous as well. Um, but yes. you know, and, and then and during the um, show, during the beginning of the show, I found out that you're like a direct descendant of of, of royal. Um, was that um, yes. Edward Edward Longshanks? Is is that yes. is that right? Yes. Yes, so Edward Longshanks is uh, Edward the uh, first uh, historically in England. Uh, he was the father of the figure that I was talking about. So I was talking about Edward the second and his wife uh, Isabella, who's commonly kind of known as the She Wolf of France. Um, and as you mentioned, they have a really um, 
kind of lengthy and interesting history that gets quite dark in a lot of places. Um, and so it makes a really good and kind of gripping story to tell my co-host. Um, but yes, yeah, so a lot of thanks. Uh, supposedly, so says uh, my grandfather, we can trace a direct lineage back to him, uh, which is really interesting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, so um, you just recently moved back to America. You lived in uh, the UK for some time, and you were a visitor host for the Charter House. Um, what was yeah. that experience like? Um, so I, well, I grew up in America, obviously, um, for the first eighteen years, and then I moved to London for university, um, and it was sort of like a not like a spur of the moment decision, but honestly, like it wasn't something that I'd ever anticipated doing. Um, and it was just something that my, my family was kind of like, you know, you should maybe apply and just see what happens. Uh, and so once I did that and was accepted, it was quite stressful as an 18 year old to be like, I guess I'm going to move across the ocean. Um, but they were really supportive. Um, they were really supportive, luckily. I think they were more excited than I was initially. Um, and so I moved to London and was doing my university program over there. Um, and while I was doing that for a couple of years, um, I was able to work. Uh, first, it was part-time, just weekends, and then it moved into a more full-time position towards the end when my uh, degree program was kind of wrapping up. Um, I was able to work at a historic site. It's sort of a mixture of a museum and like a historic house. Uh, called the Charter House. It's just outside the city of London. So for anyone familiar with um, London itself, it's kind of in the Barbican area. Um, so it's quite centrally located. Lengthy history that dates back to 1348, so the Black Death. The Susan Monastery closed down by Henry VIII and turned into a manor house for nobles. Um, and then it was purchased in 1611 and turned into an almshouse for elderly uh, men in the beginning, fallen on hard times. Now it also accepts women. Uh, so it's been doing this service for the community for uh, just over 400 years now um, in that capacity. And so working there was uh, the weirdest introduction into a historical role I think I could have ever imagined um, because I was a visitor host. So I was kind of on the front lines of explaining what the site was and um, engaging with the people who were coming in. So gave tours, which I thought was um, a really fascinating role to have. Um, I, I really particularly like that aspect of history where you get to actually engage with the public and kind of bring them into a site that they know gen like generally nothing about, more or less. Um, and to kind of over the course of an hour really bring them within um, the story that you're telling. And they, uh, by the end, are always kind of really engaged and kind of gripped by the tale. Um, so I always kind of like that personal aspect of being the one to actually share the story. Um, and then, like I said, also, it still functions the site as an almshouse. Um, so there was sort of this added um, interesting element of getting to work with the people who lived there. Um, and we kind of scheduled our tours and like tailored uh, the museum kind of role around their daily lives because it's still a site where 40 some people live. Um, and that was a really interesting way to kind of be involved in history that's actually still unfolding. So it's been going for uh, the almshouse for 400 years, the site itself for about 700. Um, 
but I always said that the story hadn't stopped and that one day we will be in the museum as well because it's still a house that is um, constantly growing and evolving. And so um, that was something that I thought was really fascinating and it was kind of the perfect way um, to really be engaged with London's history and to make the most of my time over there. So I was really sad to leave. So while you were in university, are you a history major as well? Yes. So I was a history major. I just finished up um, this kind of past summertime um, and then was able to then move back home um, just a couple of weeks ago, actually. So kind of end of September. Yeah, prior to the show, we were discussing um, the the uh, move back to America and finding out that jet lag um, is, is probably finally um, starting to dissipate a little bit. So. Yeah, it's gotten a lot better now, so that's been really good. That's good. So, um, in listening to your show too, um, the theme music is is really interesting, like really cool. Uh, it's like a combo of like EDM slash techno and classical. Where did you get that yeah. from? Um, so I actually found that online. I was actually really lucky to find something like that, just kind of open source. Um, it is it's like an EDM techno version of a little night music. Um, which I think is kind of one of the most like recognizably classical songs that you could possibly have. So the fact that it's got sort of a fun twist. Um, I was actually, uh, before I moved home, I went on a trip to Vienna, which is kind of the, the, the place where you're going to hear the most Mozart um, played in the streets randomly. And I was there with a friend, uh, actually a friend who's been on the podcast a couple of times now. And we were walking around and I always wanted to stop and listen. And sometimes I'd even be like, oh, that's my podcast music. And she'd be like, yeah, I don't care about Mozart. Let's keep going. <laughs> so, oh, you know, history is not mm. for everyone. Yeah, well, my my lineage um, on my mother's side comes um, directly from Austria, so I, that's like bucket list item. I mean, living in in London, it's it's rather easy to get over there, but living in America, it's you know, it's so difficult. <laughs> so difficult, yeah. So so that's bucket list. I you know, that's a bucket list travel item. Yeah, um, my great grandfather actually was part of like. Um, the emperor and um, raising the horses and and stuff like that. Oh. So he he was a, oh, that's a Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. So he was okay. a Vaughn before he immigrated to America. But they they made him drop the Vaughn. Um, another family member, his well, I think his brother actually was able to to keep the Vaughn. But a Vaughn a Vaughn for people who are listening is is like a, a royal title. So. Um, that that you know, so if you see like like Kat Von D, actually, you, you know that that um, she's a tattoo artist and a celebrity. She's um, a direct descendant of you know from so, someone involved in the royal family. So you know that that's kind of interesting. So um, yeah, so Vienna's bucket list. So I'm officially jealous of you right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you get there. If Vienna's a lovely yeah. place, and it's it's so nice. Uh, we were there, obviously, in, in the summertime. Um, and so everywhere you go, there's just music. And I think that's not to get horribly off topic, but I think my favorite thing about being in almost any major European city is just how musical it is everywhere you go. Um, and it's 
a bit different than being in like an American city. And I can't really describe why. I think it's maybe just the style of busking that you hear. But everything mm-hmm. just kind of has this like light, airy flow to it. And you do feel like you're in a movie almost because it's almost like having a backing track to your own um, travels, which is a bit strange. Well, even well, you're you're correct in that manner, and and even uh, I some of the ways that they that they do things too. Like you won't find the big uh, like 500 people singing um, Depeche Mode, Personal Jesus, in in a football stadium here, where you'll go over <laughs> to Hungary, and and that happens like on a regular basis. That you know they yeah. like 500. 500 to 1,000 people get together and, and sing one song and post it online. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> but um, anyway, to get back to the show, um, who designed the logo for the show? Um, so I had – I actually contacted um, – when I was first kind of doing this all, I podcast for a really long time and I knew that I kind of wanted it to be this direction of podcast where um, it was a bit informal and funny but still historically relevant and with friends um, as much as possible Um, and so I'd known I wanted to do this and I kept putting it off and saying I'll get to it eventually and then I think one day it just hit that I was like if I don't start now I'll never start Um, and so at that point I was you know, I was online looking for equipment and I was looking for cover art to be made. And it was sort of, if I don't get all of these boxes ticked, then I'll tick one of them and, and then never do anything with the rest of it. So I kind of instantly was looking and I actually ended up on Instagram and I was looking through people who had commissions open. So things like, you know, hashtag commissions open and such. Um, And just looking for a style of art that I thought fit what I wanted. And I ended up going with an artist called Lydia May um, and she was really fantastic. And, um, you know, long before the, the the first episodes were recorded and long before I kind of knew exactly what it would actually kind of manifest as in reality, um, she was kind of there helping me to create what I wanted it to look like as much as possible. Um, and so I knew that I wanted it to be um, kind of a cartoon of me. So if, if anyone has seen the art, it's basically a ginger girl on the cover. Um, and I'm holding, I'm drinking from a beer sign and I'm holding a book, which is basically um, kind of as is, is simplified as I could um, to describe exactly what the podcast is. Um, and so I sent her kind of reference photos and she was so good to kind of work at every stage where I felt that maybe it wasn't correct um, or where I initially thought that this idea would work and then actually was like maybe not Um, and so yeah she was um, I guess I would say just kind of really receptive to trying to make as much as possible um, a product that I felt worked for the show that I was making and so in a lot of ways um, the art kind of established what the show would be before it was ever actually uh, recorded. Mm-hmm. So you you mentioned that um, a lot of your guests on the show are friends. Uh, where else do you locate them? Um, well, so yeah, like I said, in, in the beginning at least, um, it was it was friends, and they were being very kind to give me their time. And I hope uh, I only can hope that I entertained them and not in that time uh, with the stories that I told um, and the alcohol that they got to drink, um, but. <laughs> Um, as things progressed, um, I try to be pretty active. 
active on social media. Um, and that is obviously, you know, the intention is the hope anyway that I bring people in and get them listening. But also I think it's a great way for me to also be learning from other people. And, um, you know, as, as horrifyingly scary as Twitter can get sometimes, I think that I've sort of tucked myself neatly away in the history corner where everyone's like happy and discussing history and nothing scary in this part of Twitter. Um, and so once I found this little corner that was just like a happy place to be, um, it was a way to start talking to people uh, who, of course, I've been accessible and um, making it something that you, that people wanted to know more about, just like I do. And so it actually started out first that um, there was a PhD candidate who was joking about needing um, to be on a podcast and needing a way to explain his research to people and make it accessible. And then he joked, he would even, he kind of joked like drunk history. And so that immediately um, kind of clocked my radar because I'm sort of the intersection of drunk history and podcasts. Um, and I invited him and said, you know, if you're actually serious about any of this, I would love to have you on. Um, but it would have to be a little bit different because in this case, um, I think I would flip the script of how the show normally operates. And instead of me teaching you something, you could teach me something about the research you've been doing and, and what um, you've kind of dedicated the last several years of your life to. And so that was really interesting. He came on um, and we did an episode uh, right around the 75th anniversary of Operation Dragoon, which was um, a World War II campaign. And so he taught me all about that, which is something that I knew next to nothing about. So it was fascinating for me. And then from there, um, that kind of sparked an interest in working with other podcasts or um, kind of budding historians as well. And so I ended up kind of on the back of that, immediately being able to work with um, another podcaster from uh, a show called The History of Otaroa, New Zealand. Uh, and he uh, was able to come on and teach me about um, an event in New Zealand's history that I knew next to nothing about again. So um, it's it's sort of nice. I, in a way, I hadn't intended this when I first started the show, and so it's been fascinating um, to see how it's sort of organically grown and changed within the last couple of months even. Um, but being able to then say there are things that I don't know a lot about, and of course I could you know spend you know a couple of days behind my laptop researching them and teach them to someone else, but just as well, I could have someone come on who knows infinitely more than I do, and they could teach me about it. So I think it's a show that has um, a lot more versati uh, versatility than I'd even maybe anticipated, um, which has been uh, nice to kind of see how it can adapt itself. And it's been nice to also not to have to do all the research. Mm -hmm. Yes. I completely agree with that. So um, what was the initial spark? What motivated you to start podcasting? Um, that is a great question. So I think originally, um, I've always liked talking about history, uh, obviously. Uh, it's kind of the subject nearest to my heart. Um, I think what initially got the idea in my head that I could do this because um, I'd listened to history podcasts in the past, and I never really had thought of it kind of being serious 
as uh, an avenue that I would go down. But I think what it was is I actually had uh, a friend visiting while I was in London, and she is um, so interested. And it's not something that she studies, um, so it's not something that she's kind of constantly thinking about like I am. And so, you know, just naturally as such, she just doesn't know as much. And I know nothing about her field of study, so it's totally fair. Uh, but when she came to visit me in London, she wanted to see all of the historic sites. So we went around and kind of did all of the touristy things, which was pretty fun. And as we would walk around, we'd go to like the Tower of London and Hampton Court. And, we would, you know, you'd have either self-guided tours or tours with um And obviously they're on a bit of a time limit. And she's an American, so they might be saying things with the assumption that people know um, a bit more than she may have. Um, and so I'd kind of be there whispering in the background to her. And when we'd go home in the evening, she'd be like, oh, you know, you mentioned at the Tower of London that there was somebody executed there called Margaret Pohl. And like, what what was that all about? Why was it such an interesting death? And so I'd, I'd kind of jokingly tell her, you know, if you want me to tell you about Margaret Pohl, for instance, I would have to go so far back into um, a period in English history called the Wars of the Roses and explain how she comes to be and why it's a problem when the Tudors come to power. Um, and she, uh, despite, you know, this not being her kind of field of study, was just so interested every trip. We then have like a two hour history debrief where I tried to explain what was in that day and how it fit into the larger picture. Um, and so I think it was kind of through that and, and kind of her commentary back and the way that we actually got through quite a lot of English history in those, um, those talks that we had that made me think, actually, if, you know, you gave us a couple of drinks to, to ease this a bit and make it a bit simpler, um, you know, this is something that you could preserve, even if I'm just preserving it for myself to listen back to one day and no one else ever hears it. Now, these conversations um, are kind of worth saving in some capacity. And so I think that's when I started to think maybe somebody else could learn from this too. And it would be interesting to them in a way that maybe reading a textbook might not be. Um, so that's kind of where the initial spark came from. And then I sat on it for a long time and just kept thinking, like, I'll, I'll do it later. Okay, so um, how often are you releasing your episodes? I'm, I'm guessing um, it's, uh, well, from what I've seen, and as far as the history and the organic progression, it's been like monthly. But are you uh, increasing them, or are you keeping along the same track? Or it's um, in the beginning, it was a bit more frequent. Um, I before I started. Uh, releasing anything I wanted to have a couple kind of pre-recorded in my arsenal and so it was quite easy to be releasing those um, on a pretty frequent basis um, and then things got a bit busier in life obviously um, now luckily that I have moved back home I'm hoping to pick that back up again uh, I luckily actually before I moved back I did a few more recordings with people um, from in London uh, from back in London and so I have a bunch of things kind of ready just to be edited and put out um, so hopefully they're going to be coming out a bit more regularly um, 
as such, um, I've also been doing, like I said, the last couple of episodes have been collaborations with other either historians or like podcasters. And so to an extent, um, my schedule worked um, only as much as kind of they were willing to have those things put out as well. Um, so I didn't want to be putting them out and what they mm-hmm. were kind of wanting it to be, if that makes any sense. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, to um, things that I've done with friends, uh, they don't care when I put them out, so those will be out much quicker. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, <laughs> what equipment do you use to record or edit? Um, I... I'm very basic. Um, I have a, goodness, I think it's a Blue Yeti microphone. Um, it's not the Snowball one, I know that. It is, uh, for me, kind of easy enough because it plugs directly into a computer. It's a USB microphone, um, so I don't have to deal with any kind of, like, technology in terms of, like, working the switches and stuff. Um, I'm not probably that adept yet at a, at that kind of sound engineering, but I, yeah, I use a, a blue microphone and uh, I do all of my editing in um, GarageBand actually. So I'm pretty simple um, in terms of how I do the recording and the editing. Um, I'm also, like I said, a, a one man show in terms of um, like hosting and, and editing all of that. So the simplest for me right now is probably the best. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I mean, a lot of people have, like, a whole team working with them. You know, there's just a host, but then they have people that produce it and yeah. add in special effects and do all sorts of different things. Like like yourself, I'm a one a one person show. So <laughs> what you what you hear is what you get basically. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um what are what do you do when you're not podcasting? I'm assuming since you're you've come back to America and and you're finished with college, you're probably on the job hunt at this point. But what else do you like to do I when am. you're not podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I'm on the job hunt right now. I've just come home, so luckily, um, you know, family is still quite excited to see me. I'm sure in like a week or two, they're going to be like, please find a job and leave um but I'm in kind of the grace period right now where everyone's excited after four years to have me back um but in my free time um I love to read um I honestly probably not the best thing to say but I binge a lot of sitcoms um I've just been working my way through community which is luckily um all finished so I was able to go through six seasons quite quickly um I actually joke with my friends a lot that I cannot watch new television shows when I'm busy uh, because I have, like, just this absolute need to binge them. And if I don't have time to do that, then it's just not worth starting because it'll just be torture. Um, So luckily, now that I've kind of come home and had a bit of free time, I've been able to get back into some of the shows that I've been missing. Um, But I like to do um, really just kind of those – quite simple really um I don't know makes me feel like I don't know what do I like to do (laughs) well that's that's creative enough I mean (laughs) 
So um, are you using any sort of crowdfunding sources, or is that something that, that might be used in the future, or is that like an absolute no? I mean, I, I know people that, that like to use it and others that are like absolutely not. So what are your thoughts on that? So I have a um, very timely question, actually. I've literally just started a Patreon um, so currently it's at zero subscribers. Um, so, you know, no crowdfunding at the moment, but, uh, it was something that I wanted to do because I do think it's worthwhile if people are willing to give a bit of money. Obviously podcasting is an intense kind of strain on time and it can also be quite expensive in ways that you don't maybe expect when you first start. So it doesn't hurt to kind of put it out there into the world. Obviously, um, I'm quite passionate about public history in general. And so for the most part, you know, the majority of my content will always be free. Um, But I plan to do short kind of mini episodes um, and maybe a few kind of just bonus episodes as well. That will be Patreon exclusive. And um, I've actually put one up there already. It's um, kind of like a spooky Halloween episode. because it's October currently. And so that's there for like whenever anyone does sign up, they already kind of automatically have something waiting for them. But like I said, it's just been created. So there's actually no one currently subscribed. Okay. Well, get on that, people. (laughs) (laughs) So do you take suggestions for a historical figure to cover, or is it just basically ones that, that you're especially intrigued with? No, I always, at the end of episodes, let people know that I'm more than happy to uh, take suggestions. I um, am quite aware of the fact that, you know, I have been taught and educated in a way where I mainly know about European and American figures. Um, So I'd be really fascinated to learn about people from other places and I've had um, a couple of suggestions from other kind of areas of the world which has been really helpful and so I'm looking forward to getting to research those people Um, so I'm always happy to take suggestions the other thing that I tend to say is that where possible I do like to focus on women Um, I've certainly done episodes on men. In fact, my very first episode was on Hannibal, so I wasn't setting the standard too well there with kind of right off the bat uh, about a man. But I do like to have as many episodes about women. I think um, in a lot of cases there's fascinating women out there that we know very little about their actual kind of life story. And so um, they're kind of where I do attempt to focus myself um, but sometimes I get sidetracked by interesting men as well. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> if you have the time to listen to podcasts, which ones do you listen to besides the history ones? Are there any others that, that you indulge in? Oh, that's a great question. Um, besides history, or can it include that as well? Oh, that it can include history, sure. Okay. Well, okay. So if I was going to give a couple of history recommendations – um, there's a podcast called Queen's Podcast. It's a similar, it's in a similar vein to mine, where it's comedy history, and um, it's kind of uh, two hosts who have a special drink that they um, kind of tailor to each person they talk about, and then they always talk about uh, generally queens of different places. Sometimes 
they stretch it a little bit and we'll do like noble ladies or mistresses to kings and such. Um, and so they're kind of a really funny pair to listen to. Um, so for kind of comedy history, I'd probably do that. If I was going to give one um, sort of straight laced history podcast, um, I would probably say uh, there's one called Our Fake History, which is a really, really great podcast where the host uh, each each episode takes kind of a myth in history or something that you maybe you think is true and is potentially less true uh, than you first anticipated and kind of breaks it down bit by bit. And I think that's a really interesting one because there are a lot of things that are less true than you'd anticipate. And then kind of controversially, on the other hand, there are a lot of things that you think are entirely fake, but actually have some bearing in the historical record. It's just not maybe in the way that we've heard it. And so I find that really fascinating. Um, in terms of like guilty pleasure podcasts, um, this is really difficult. Um, I have a podcast I listen to called Dishing on the Duggars uh, because I am fascinated by the Duggar family, who are the, the quiverful. They have like 19 children. They're from the television show 19 Kids and Counting. Um, I find their family so confusing. I don't really like them. I wouldn't call myself a fan, um, but I just want to know why almost always. Um, so I find that I find that podcast really interesting because they kind of go in, into detail about uh, what that family's up to. And so I don't have to actually watch their show because I, I don't really want to watch their show. Um, but I'm kind of, it's sort of like watching a train wreck. Like I'm just, I can't really look away. Um, so I like that. That's sort of like my, because I don't really do like reality television. So that's sort of like the reality television of my life is being like, what is this family up to? Mm-hmm. That that's probably so that's like the outlier. Um, yeah, that well, mine is probably I'm I'm not a big reality television program person, but the one that I'm intrigued with and I'll listen to anything about, including podcasts, is um, Love After Lockup. That show, I don't know oh. why. Um, it's it's the premise is is it's about um, people who um, communicate with inmates. And once they're released, they um, meet up with their uh, their mate through, you know, who has, you know, professed their undying love for them. And so <laughs> upon their release, it, it follows their uh, journey, if you will, with each other. It's it's a quite, oh, a, yeah, it's quite a train wreck. <laughs> and, and it kind of How intrigues me. How often does that actually work out? Uh, not very. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't work out. I mean, there are there are plenty of couples, but the actuality is uh, maybe like one and probably uh, twenty five. Maybe work out. <laughs> oh goodness, that's the oh, kind yeah, of wreck you don't look away from. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, and it it intrigues me because I never had the desire to. Um, you know, hook up with an inmate. So, so, <laughs> so that that like intrigues me. You know, like <laughs> to find someone that that actually has like a co- who are college educated and like um, have you know uh, a you know a well to do uh, upbringing and uh, lifestyle, but they're in love with someone who. Uh, 
committed armed bank robberies like that that is just like <laughs> okay <laughs> now, imagine so, that just like I, I that would make me wonder like why uh-huh. <laughs> and so, then, yeah that's so, why i feel like i enjoy that kind of stuff so i could i could imagine getting into a show like that <laughs> Uh-huh. So, so that's my 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 uh, thing. So if you know when there are podcasts about it, I always listen in to see like the host point of view because they're they're kind of funny too. But <laughs> so getting back to podcasting, um, what would you say the most challenging part about podcasting is? Um, I think the most challenging part I think is probably not. Um, getting like immediately discouraged. Um, I I don't know why. I don't know why I would have thought this. I don't know why anyone would think this. And I think I tried to make myself not think this and then still sort of hoped. But for some reason, there's this idea that it's going to be really easy or that people are going to immediately start listening to you. Um, And that's just not how it works. It's a slow grind, I would say, kind of constantly. Um, And there are so many podcasts that are out there now. And so um, even if you find like a niche within the area that you are working in, um, there are so many other ones that people can be listening to. So it's kind of um, just this constant upward climb of, you know, releasing content and being active on social media and, you know, talking to the right people and, you know, do you want to put an ad on Facebook and whatnot. Um, so it's sort of like you're running your own mini business and having to make lots and lots of decisions, um, especially if you're working with a very limited budget, um, to say, how can I get this in front of people? Because I think it's something that's, you know, like I'm, you know, tentatively proud of the work I've done. Uh, so I'd like for someone to listen to it. I don't think it's, you know, something that everyone would enjoy, but there's certainly a demographic who would, how do I find them? And it, there's no simple answer. There's loads of little ways that you can give it a go. Um, but it's a lot of trial and error. Um, it's a lot of waiting and hoping that people will listen and kind of watching your stats slowly rise. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a constant grind. And that's why I think a lot of people drop out quite quickly. And that, that might, be in part because just producing the content itself uh, becomes too burdensome. But I also think probably that you maybe anticipate a quick um, kind of rise to podcast fame or whatnot. Um, and that doesn't really happen for most people. Yeah, that, that really doesn't happen unless A, you're a celebrity or, or B, you're like on, on uh, like a major uh platform like Wondery or Luminary and they're and they're promoting the heck out of you um yeah. you know it, it's like you said it's a slow burn and you know like like a lot of my guests that appear on my show we talk about pod feed a lot and it's just you know people are very like um stat you know statistically driven even myself even myself I look on and I'm like oh okay well I'm at this number at and you want it to be more, but you can't let it like get into your psyche too much because, yeah, like the thought, the thought is is like um, if one person listens, that's at least one person that's getting, you know, your message across or, or, enjoying a, a little time off to decompress or you know whatever. So yeah. 
you just have to think of that one person that's that's listening, you know. So <laughs> that's, see, that's I, how I see it. So, but yeah, I know I totally agree. And if, it, I think there are some people who want to podcast for the sake of podcasting. Um, like so many people in the last ten years have become YouTubers because it's kind of a quick way to make money if you actually become successful at it and maybe they don't actually have an idea for what being a YouTuber is or like what they're going to do and I think with the rise of podcasts within the last decade or so as well it's become kind of increasingly popular to be like I'm just going to make a podcast today Um, and there's nothing wrong with that that's sort of what I did one day Um, but if you're podcasting about something that you don't care that much about it's really easy to realize that it's much harder than you anticipated and quit. So for me, even though I am quite statistic driven, as you said, and I, I sometimes I look and I see that my subscriber number has dropped and I'm disappointed because I'm like, yesterday I had this many and today I have this many, where have you all gone? Um, but I think the thing to remember for anyone who is podcasting is that if you are passionate about what you're doing and that you, it's important for you to get the message out there that you are trying to put out, then it, you know, it shouldn't really matter in the end the exact figures of, like, how many people are listening. Because, like you said, if someone's listening, then you have put something out there that somebody has enjoyed or learned from and has kind of taken to heart in some capacity. And like I said, when I first started this, it was kind of a way for me to almost um, save and enjoy the things that I um, kind of talked about with friends and so that was kind of the very original idea of it all so in a way the fact that anyone listens is kind of uh, more than I could have hoped for yeah yeah so um, what would you say the best part of about podcasting is for you I think the best part about podcasting um, and I don't know if I anticipated this originally because I did see it as very much a solo venture in terms of like the actual work I would do. Um, I think the best part, like I said, has been just the kind of community of people that I've met through doing this. Um, and the, the kind of idea that going forward, this community will grow. Um, I don't feel like this is going to kind of stagnate at any point And I'll just like know everyone worth knowing in my little corner of Twitter and such. Um, there's kind of always new people to be engaging with. Obviously for me, it's history, um, but for any kind of topic that you're doing a podcast on, there's going to be other people who are doing similar things or people who are like academics in that field and such. And those are the people that kind of through this, this side of the world where you aren't just consuming that information, but you're also a producer of it as well. It kind of gives you a different role and ability to speak on it in a different way. And so I think when you can go on social media and engage with people, um, it's just a really interesting way to kind of change things up for yourself and to to meet and um, have the opportunity to kind of grow alongside other people. Um, So that's been, I think, the best thing for me that I didn't really anticipate because I did see it originally just sort of me and my friends, um, but the ability to kind of work with others as well. So um, where can people find you on uh, social media? Uh, where can they, they look to find you? Yes. Um, so you can find uh, my podcast, firstly, is uh, available on pretty much all of the major uh, podcasting platforms, and it's just Happy Hour History 
uh, you'll see my little design with the green background. Um, and then you can find me on social media. I am very, very active on Twitter, if you didn't get that by this point in the interview. Um, and that is at Happy History Pod. Um, I'm also on Instagram, and that is at Happy Hour History Pod. Um, I'm on Facebook. I have to admit, um, I'm not quite as active on Facebook, but I will be active uh, if people are following me there. So uh, feel free to follow if you're interested. That is Happy Hour History Podcast. Um, and then I have a Gmail account as well. If anyone wants to email with questions or topic suggestions or just to say hello, um, that is happyhourhistorypod at gmail.com. So uh, do you have any uh, topics that you could give us a sneak peek on that you'll be adding soon? I do. So uh, I said I have a small arsenal of, uh, of things coming, uh, waiting to be edited and released. Um, uh, this is kind of a weird quirk about my podcast that I actually haven't mentioned yet. Um, I mentioned that we do swear and for whatever reason, I decided that every episode after mentioning like kind of a content warning that we swear, I always apologize to my mother because I joked in the beginning that she would be the only person to listen. And so I was apologizing for swearing and making her listen to that. Um, so I always apologize to my mom. And so uh, I have a couple of episodes, actually, where my mom came on, and so I made her swear for both of us. Um, <laughs> so the episodes with my mom, uh, and she's quite funny. She's probably funnier than I am, to be honest. Uh, she and I uh, did a couple of episodes. I was feeling very, um, I guess, sentimental about it all. So I chose a mother and daughter figure. So I chose uh, Maria Theresa, who was Empress of Austria, um, who obviously you will probably be familiar with, uh, and then her daughter, uh, Marie Antoinette, obviously Queen of France. So I have a couple of episodes um, about those two fantastic women. Um, I also have a, a series of episodes coming out on uh, Agrippina the Younger, who was um, a Roman noblewoman and the mother of uh, Emperor Nero. So she lived a really fascinating life. And then I also have an episode which will come out after all of these ones have um, about probably the most interesting man in Napoleonic France that you've never heard of, probably. Uh, his name is uh, Jean-Baptiste Jules Bernadotte. Uh, he was basically the man that Napoleon could not say no to, no matter how much he wanted. And he ends up in the weirdest place possible. I won't spoil it, but he uh, doesn't end up in France. And it's kind of a weird journey as to how he ends up uh, where he ends up. So I've got lots coming down the pike. I just need to edit them. Oh, those sound very cool. Yes, I'm particularly <laughs> interested in, in, in the mother-daughter episodes. Um, they, they sound very interesting. So in closing, um, is there anything that you would like to add about Happy Hour History, Caden, or um, just give a reminder that uh, people can listen to Happy Hour History basically anywhere you could find podcasts, right? I mean, Yes, so it should be most places. I know it's definitely on the big three, which is Apple, uh, Spotify, and Stitcher, and then it's on a lot of the littler ones as well. So you should be able to find me there. Um, you can find my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash happy hour history pod, I believe. But if you Google it, you should be able to find it no matter what. Um, so if you wanted to get any of the bonus content, that is all there. Um, but mostly, I just want to say, obviously, that if anyone has 
kind of ideas for topics, I am more than happy to take suggestions. And then also, if anyone listening runs a podcast that is maybe history-based or you are a history person or something, I'm always kind of interested in the idea of doing kind of collaborative work. Um, so feel free to reach out if that's something that is of interest to anyone. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much, Kaden, for appearing on your podcast or mine. It was a lot of fun. I, I look forward to listening to more of your shows and and uh, appreciate the uh, opportunity to interview you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was really wonderful. Thank you. And uh, thanks to everyone listening to your podcast or mine. And have a great day.